0: Find them early, we can cure. Idea. And the earlier we find it, continue. the quicker we cure it. They work harder than any of the men This is the wealth of the new life. So scientists are unable to fight or is it simply too powerful for the human race? This is the wealth of a nation. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Wealth Management. I am your fearless host, Justin Root. This is the first true real episode. We're going to dive into a topic and explore something as it pertains to your health. Because if you'll remember, you don't have any wealth without your health at any stage in your life. So today we're going to talk about a plant that is near and dear to my heart and ways it can make your life better in so many different ways. We're talking about cannabis today. I want to reflect on the state of the industry cannabis industry in 2021 and share what I've seen and what I've learned working uh, on the peripherals of the industry. I have a friend who's doing a project and was asking my thoughts and I just unloaded on things because I haven't really been active since kind of COVID in the space. We launched a couple of products at the beginning of the pandemic and a lot has changed over the last 18 months. Uh, So we're just going to touch on that. I'm just going to sit here and chat away about cannabis and tell you what I think about it. And uh, eventually down the road, I'd love to get some friends and uh, people I've worked with in this space on here and chit-chat about their perspective. But let's just do a little download on what easily is, hands down, my favorite plant. I tasted this thing for the first time when I was about 15 years old. I liked it the first time, but... As I've learned more and more about it, I've fallen deeper and deeper in love with cannabis. And here's why. If you think about society, we've moved far away from living among plants. And as we've created this abstraction, as we've distanced ourselves from these organisms, we've forgotten how clever plants are. They spend their entire lives in just one spot. And so from one spot, they have to collect nutrients. They have to protect themselves. They have to find a way to reproduce. They're clever little organisms, and we don't always give them enough credit. It's not that easy to do all these things. And the way they go about doing these things is they recruit dummies like us, creatures walking by, humans walking by. They evolve symbiotic traits they they give us nutrients and nourishment in exchange for us helping move around their seeds and protecting them from predators they evolve aesthetically they get beautiful they have you know beautiful flowers you think about the wine grape i think it's the vitis (laughs) vinifera. i'm horrible at latin i'm horrible at phonetics i didn't do hook-down phonics. I skipped that for some reason. Anyway, if you think about that, in nature, that, that plant is a woody vine. And it'll climb up a tree and it'll reach the top of the canopy. And to attract birds and spread its seed to reproduce, it makes a big, delicious-looking, bright, purpley red grape. So a little bird passing by, will spot that uh, against the very green canopy, swoop down, take a little bite. And be also delighted with a little bit of sugar in there. Get them hooked. That's another thing that plants do. They have these psychoactive compounds like caffeine. have been reading a lot about caffeine. Did you know that for bumblebees, caffeine is like doing a line of coke. It's like doing a bump. And they get hooked on the high. So flowers that produce caffeine in their nectar, they're going to attract more bees more frequently than flowers that don't have caffeine in their nectar. And the bees seem to do a better job m- remembering Where those flowers are to go get their their fix, to go get their hit. So, you know, plants, they evolve this beautiful aesthetic element. They provide nutrients and medicines to us. And then they also, they get us fucked up. They got psychoactive compounds. The cannabis plant specializes in all three of these things. It's a super smart plant. And because it's so smart, humans have spent more time taking care of this plant and working with this plant than Possibly any other plant out there. I mean, this goes back to before humans were farming. We're talking 12,000 years ago. Nomads were probably carrying cannabis seeds out and around with them as they were walking around hunting and gathering and foraging. I mean, in context, I think the oldest wine that we know about is 8,000 years old. That's another plant we spent a lot of time nourishing and working on to our benefit. But cannabis has a beat by 4,000 years. I can go into the history of all that stuff later and talk about it a little bit on my website, justinroot.com. But anyway, it's a really, really interesting plant, and humans have a fascinating relationship with it through thousands of years. So I'm I'm obsessed with it, and when my friend asked about the cannabis industry, I was eager just to, to share what I know because it's something I just love to talk about. And, and again, I've worked in it a little bit. I've designed a bunch of products probably over a dozen, and we've launched about 10 products with cannabis ingredients, mostly tinctures, some capsules, um, some lotions. Uh, I've kind of reflected on that on my website, too, if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, But because of working with these ingredients, and because at one time it was really hard to develop these products because it was a lot more shady and less sophisticated than it is now, I've learned a lot. And here are some of the things I have learned. Let's, let's look at the challenges in the space so far. Uh, the lead domino here is it is a regulatory nightmare. The laws are all out of whack. And because the laws are all fucked up, it leads to problems with finances and banking. It's also one of the reasons consumers are so confused and don't understand what the hell... They're buying and and what purposes of cannabis can be in their lives you also have a lot of people just straight up fraud deceptive folks uh because it's kind of hard to enforce the laws it's it's a total total mess i mean i know people that have spent tens of millions of dollars investing in cannabis companies buying farms buying processing facilities licensing ip doing it all because they thought by 2020 2021 the laws would be worked out. It would no longer be a Schedule One drug on the federal level. That that classification is causing all sorts of hardships no matter what the state laws are. A lot of industries are going to have different laws on the state-by-state state basis, but since it's still considered a scheduled one drug by the federal government, uh, it's hard for a lot of actors to do anything, especially across state lines. It's just all a mess. And on top of that, from the perspective that I've been working in as the supplement side, the FDA has been putting a little bit of a bind because they approved CBD isolates as a pharmaceutical drug, which by law means that any ingredient that's a pharmaceutical can also be a supplement. So one of the big CBD suppliers and the, the hemp and I guess from both sides of the, the hemp and the cannabis side, the medicinal side, um, Charlotte's Web, the company behind Charlotte's Web, I believe, GW's, uh, what they proposed was full-spectrum CBD be considered a supplement and CBD isolate stay on as a, uh, a pharmaceutical. And that distinction would allow the FDA to approve selling cannabinoids as supplements, but the FDA recently rejected them. So it's all kind of in limbo. So technically, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a mess. Grab your brooms, because it's a mess. Uh, And it's leading to a lot of other problems. The other thing you have going on here, the second issue, is the industry, the people, the actors. It's populated by uh, an interesting crew of folks. You've got some really intelligent stoners, people that just love cannabis. And they left their well-paying jobs status jobs to join the industry purely based on enthusiasm and passion for the product. These people are great to work with, they're, they're really smart, hard working folks, well established in their previous careers, and they want to apply all their professionalism and everything they know outside the cannabis industry to building up the cannabis industry. They're awesome to work with. The challenge I've seen these folks have is building teams to scale their ideas. When it comes time to hiring, it's really difficult for them to find good people to work with. Because if you're uh, a lot of good employees, because Schedule 1 is a Schedule 1 drug and the regulations, there's weird you know, payroll shit. They can't use banks the same way other businesses can't use banks. Other benefits are restricted. There's a lot of limitations. So what ends up happening is you got a lot of stoners, stoners. So you got the smart stoners trying to run these businesses and they're hiring stoner stoners that it's kind of an embarrassing cliche, but they just really like to get high and not do much. Uh, and as a result, they're just the operations become disorganized and they break down and there's all sorts of issues and they really, really struggle. And then the, you also have straight up people ripping people off in this space because it's kind of hard to enforce some of these laws Uh, So you got a lot of hustlers just straight hustling people. You see Forbes and all the business magazines projecting this to be a multi-billion dollar industry. And people want to get in and cash in. And they're cutting checks to the wrong folks who are just abusing it and taking their money and running. So it needs to be descheduled and legalized on a federal level so we can get the right employees into the space to attract the right talent to really help it prosper and then thirdly there's still a tremendous amount of consumer confusion at this point in America the vast majority of Americans have had direct experience or direct knowledge with cannabis baby boomers growing up in the 60s and the 70s were around cannabis now, they might have foggy, foggy memories of, of what their experiences with cannabis were like. They could have been decades ago and so they need to be re educated a little bit and reintroduced a little bit. Um but at this point everyone has some sort of context. The challenge is because the laws for so long have been so weird, uh, people have been making all sorts of claims, especially on the when it comes to health, wellness and taking care of your body, people were exaggerating the benefits of cannabinoids to m- sell stuff marketers were just being shady and so there's a lot of confusion as to what these phytocompounds can do for you and what they can't do for you and how safe they are and how uh how well they work i mean cannabis is a generally a, a safe plant but the the doses and the poisoning. there are stories of people with um Called, what is it called? Stistic. Again, I can't pronounce things for shit. But, um, cyclical vomiting. Basically, you can't stop throwing up and gagging. Uh, they're seeing this in uh, very, uh, aggressive users of cannabis in ER rooms and uh yeah so there's a there's a consequence if you over consume now whether it's smoking it or it's using these vape pens that who the hell knows what else is in there besides THC and cannabinoids uh that hasn't really seemed to be distinguished but there are it's not perfectly safe there are some consequences if you get too aggressive with it like so many other things that said that you know there are also studies of I think there was a study out of Jamaica, people that were smoking a joint a day for like 20 years, and they looked at their lungs, and they were relatively perfectly fine. I think some celebrity stoners, your Snoop Dogg, Seth Rogen's, they had their lungs examined, and they were perfectly fine after using cannabis recreationally for decades. So it's, it's a generally it's definitely more safe than alcohol and a lot of other things out there, but it's not perfectly safe. And so you don't have that type of knowledge necessarily being communicated to consumers. And so those are the big challenges, the headwinds they're facing. Regulations are leading to the wrong people and the wrong stories being told about this product. Um, But with that said, there are, I think, some opportunities. And one of the big opportunities, I think, is around ritualized consumption. And so what I mean about that is if you think about today, the two most popular psychoactive compounds in our society are alcohol and caffeine. And we have rituals around both of those compounds. We know when to consume, we know what form to consume them in. We know how much to consume. We have these social contracts that help us navigate and influence, navigate how these compounds influence us. Cannabis is lacking those rituals. Right? After a few years in college, people pretty much have an idea of the difference between drinking a beer at a game, sharing a bottle of wine with friends, getting cocktails at happy hour, and going out and aggressively taking a shot in between each round of beers. like We know each mode of alcohol delivery comes with a different potency, and it's relatively standardized and well understood in society of, of what that potency is and what that's going to do to us. Cannabis is lacking this. And because of that, I think it limits wider adoption. I personally struggle with this. I'm very familiar with consuming cannabis. If I'm at a party and someone has a joint that I don't know the person, I don't know the quality of the cannabis, I can take a puff on that and then determine if I want to take more. Uh, my wife, if she were to try that, she could go into La La Land. She's less familiar with it. Uh, but even that said, I if someone offers me a cookie at a party, I have, n- I, I'm not taking it. I don't know if that's going to put me asleep sleep for eight hours, or if it's going to give me the best night of my life. So there's, there's so much. We need a dosing system. We need rituals around this so that you know what you're getting yourself into when something is offered to you. Like even those, those oil pens, they're all dosed differently. They sneak all sorts of weird things into those carrier oils. I won't touch those either. So outside of consuming those flowers, I have no way of calibrating my expectations for what that dose is going to deliver. And I think cannabis could develop some standardizations across different delivery formats. Um, you got companies like can working on that, which I think that's a big opportunity to, f- to figure something else around that. The other big opportunity is I think sh- experiential marketing. Millennials overspend on experiences and cannabis is can offer you some really great experiences I think. At the end of the day like much like corn or rice or any other grain like you don't know where those are coming from they're commodity crops. Cannabis at some point will become a commodity crop. It's not that difficult to grow. So once you just got a massive supply out there you're going to have to find ways to differentiate A, a luxury segment will exist where anywhere commodities exist and I think cannabis will be no different. I think it'll be an awesome way to offer especially millennials unique experiences and you can use the playbook of the wine industry and i'm not the first one this is not a novel idea other people are already doing this there's a lot of vineyards out in california that are itching to incorporate cannabis onto their farms but because it's a schedule one drug and because of alcohol laws they can't do so at this point but they'll have a head start in a lot of this because they already have the infrastructure around hosting people and creating experiences around their crops. Uh, you know, if you think about wine, hundreds of years ago, wine was cheaper than water. It was a commodity. But then you had, uh, I think it was Louis King, Louis the Fourteenth, in like the late 1600s, 1700s. He wanted something fancy to export across Europe, and so he made up a bunch of laws, and all those laws created scarcity, and that limited the supply, and the laws attracted attention, so the attention grew demand, and all of a sudden, wine went from being cheaper than water to a drink worthy of the aristocrats. So, Old Louis was able to create a valuable export to sell across Europe, and to this day, that playbook that started 300 years ago is still being used. Premium wines are marketed and sold based on experiences, vineyard tours, tasting seminars, private dinners. Uh, A lot of that could be applied to cannabis too. Cannabis is another plant that can really capture your imagination. You can project a lot of things into the experience of consuming cannabis and being pleasantly inebriated by its phyto compounds much the way alcohol can. So I think experiential marketing it's another opportunity for cannabis. And then third, there's a lot with uh, sustainability and upcycling in the industry where you can, I think, make a lot of money at some point. Cannabis for thousands of years was used for food. It was used for medicine. It was used for clothing. It was used for ropes. It was used for oil. It was used for all sorts of things. It's extremely useful plant. And right now, all the focus and attention is on the cannabinoids, the psychoactive compounds, but there's so many other aspects of the plant that we can be putting to use. Um, I also think too about, you know, at the intersection of trends, you have uh, the emergence of using microorganisms and fermentation as little microbial factories to produce new ingredients and new compounds. They're using fermentation to make ingredients for like those impossible burgers and even making plastics with different fermentations. Uh, I wonder if cannabis has some ingredients, some fibers in there that could also go to use for that. The Celtic traditions, they used to use the roots of the cannabis plants for teas um, and other things. And I don't hear anyone using the roots of cannabis plants for anything. That's something somebody out there should pick up and run with. Um, and then, from a regenerative agricultural perspective, cannabis is amazing. It's it's resilient and easy to grow. It's awesome for weed control as a cover crop. It's a bioaccumulator. So bioaccumulators are plants that pull nutrients and compounds from the soil up into their fibers and and bring them up into the topsoil. Um, so it's great for improving soil health as part of uh, rotational crops for where other grains can go. Um, there's a couple. Big groups researching all of this. Also, as a bioaccumulator, I've heard of um, using bioaccumulators like sunflowers to remediate uh, contaminated soil, right? So, you'd grow the plants, it would suck up all the bad stuff. The plants could then be harvested, and the plants are become hazardous biomaterial. They have to be disposed of carefully, but it helped pull and clean up all the junk that was in the soil. So, there's a lot of different opportunities when it comes to. Ritualized consumption, experiential marketing, and then sustainability and upcycling. And then fourth, too, finally, intellectual property. I'm not so jazzed about this, but there are people that are going to be genetically modifying and crossbreeding and then patenting the outcomes of different uh, cannabis species and cultivars. Uh, I wonder about using machine learning and AI in this space to kind of anticipate the profile and the genetic potential of different crossbreeds and then using that to uh, to make cool better plants Um, but for anyone getting into this industry or looking at this industry I would avoid getting into the production side the consumer product side and I would look along hard at the retail side Um, the production side when this plant was forced into aggressive prohibition in the 70s and 80s and 90s, the growers got pretty damn clever, and they got pretty efficient at maximizing yields in small spaces. They got, you know, more serious about the lighting, more selective about the different strains and species that you're using. There was a lot of innovation and progress that occurred during prohibition that's now being built on and applied, and there are incremental progress into the efficiencies of growing this crop. But on top of how efficient growers had to become when they had to move indoors into little spaces. You also have before that thousands and thousands of years of humans growing this plant all over the world. So that just the crossbreeding and the genetic evolution that occurred for thousands of years before that period of time where people had to even get really more clever. It's, there's just a lot that's already happened on the production side. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to make a giant leap there. So if you're looking to scale something, I I don't know. And, again, it's going to become a commodity, so you're going to be racing to bottom prices. I don't, I don't like that side. The consumer product side, that's another one that, it, especially right now, it's expensive, it's competitive. You, there's, It's hard to educate customers. Um, it's difficult to differentiate, especially on the supplement side. The supply chain has been erratic with hemp after the Farm Bill Act. Everyone was told they were going to get one price per pound for uh, hemp biomass and so you had all these farmers switching their crops over there and that just became an avalanche of cannabis biomass hitting the market so the price dropped and then the next year farmers like eh, it's not worth the cost so you had a lot of farmers pull out there's probably enough biomass for another year or two before things even out but you got just this erraticness so they have prices that make it a little different control your cost and control your retail price um, and, again, there's just so much confusion out there. It's just consumer products, it, it, that's tough. Um, third, from a retail perspective, that's where the front lines of educating co- consumers is going to happen. And that it, it's not easy to educate consumers on this. There's a lot of educating that needs to correct misinformation that's gone rampant. Uh, and there's a lot of hand-holding, I think, that's going to need to go down. One of the things that I think is really under-reported is the distinction between consuming cannabis flowers and consuming cannabis edibles, right? When you smoke cannabis, Delta-9-THC is a lot different than when you eat cannabis. When you eat it, uh, the delta-9 is converted into 11-hydroxy in your liver, and that's an important step because 11-hydroxy tetrahydrocannabinol is five to ten times more psychoactive. So you could smoke if you bought a joint that's labeled 10 milligrams THC and you smoke it, and you have a great experience. And then the next day you're like, "Well, that 10 milligram joint was good. Let me try this 10 milligram cookie. That's five to ten times more potent." And if you haven't been taught that, you're gonna have a totally different experience and it might cause you to end up tripping balls and not enjoying yourself as much on 10 grams milligrams really isn't that much it, um but still that's that's a lot of a lot of things to teach people and explain to people and uh hold people accountable if you are going to look in the retail side i would look at maybe like more of a starbucks experience and on-site consumption process but i don't i don't really like the retail they also call it political stuff people don't want pot shops they smell blah blah blah, blah. It's, that's a tough one look elsewhere um but anyway yeah i mean that's those are my thoughts right now on the cannabis industry and that's what i shared with my friend look at finding ways we can ritualize consumption look at experiential marketing you could do look at sustainability dabble in that intellectual property but avoid getting into the farming production side avoid developing products for the end consumer and think long and hard before you take it to retail Um, but yeah that's where everything's at Um, thank you so much for listening to me ramble on about my favorite plant if you have any questions feel free to email me root at wealthmanagement.com that's w-e-l l-t-h m-g-m-t dot com and remember folks you don't have wealth without your health so, if you're going to dabble in cannabis, get that good organic stuff and enjoy the hell out of it. Thank you so much for being time we can find them early. We can cure it. And the earlier we find it, the quicker we cure it. than <laughs> <laughs> This is the wealth of a nation. the unable to fight, or is it simply too powerful for the human race? This to the wealth of a nation.